to Nina, Hannah, and Emily in Paris, the show no one asked for about the show no one asked for. I'm Nina. And I'm Hannah. And this episode kicks off an extension of our second season that we're calling Out of Office. As we anxiously await season three of Netflix's Emily in Paris, we decided to continue putting out episodes because we love making the show and there are enough of you listening that we simply cannot just go radio silent until whenever Netflix decides to release the new season. So in a sense, now that the real work of recapping and making sure you all are up to date on the plot points of the show is done, we are considering ourselves out of office. The irony is that we are actually about to put a lot more work into the show because the extension of season two is going to involve the release of bi-weekly episodes, which is to say on a schedule that's organized and intentional, and uh, it will involve a little bit of research. We've got like a lot. We've got a lot coming for you. Got We're a lot really excited. A lot of, co- a lot of cock cooking. A lot cooking. <laughs> We're going to do a couple different types of shows for our out-of-office episodes, and we're starting with Emily Online, episodes where we take a piece of cultural criticism about Emily in Paris and discuss it. We'll link to the piece of media in our show notes so you can do your own deep dive. But if you're like me and you enjoy having other people provide your cultural capital, then this kind of episode is for you. You'll learn about what's happening in the zeitgeist, and you'll hear two incredibly smart, not particularly qualified or trained people break it down and share our own thoughts. Okay. I think that's all you need to know. Woohoo. Let's do it. Well, it's good to see you. (laughs) It's good to see you, too. I'm so excited. I can't believe we haven't seen each other since the last time we recorded. I know. I I was going to say, do you think our listeners think that that's the only time we talk? I think they would be be extremely impressed by our rapport if that was the case. They'd be like, wow, these girls only get together once every six weeks when Hannah puts out an episode. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry that this latest episode came out so late. (laughs) That's okay, because I... You know, I can't really complain about it because I don't edit them. It's true. I know my place. I only relay to you when other people complain. <laughs> yeah. You're like, hey, if you could make the sound better on me next time. And I'm like, <laughs> don't even. But we're back. We're doing the thing where we're back. We're back. We're thrilled to be back. I, we said it in the intro, so we can just jump into it. But I'm so excited to be doing uh, our first out of office episode. Me too. Me too. Because just because the show isn't happening doesn't mean that Emily's not in Paris. It also doesn't mean that our listeners aren't alive right now. Whoa. Who, <laughs> you know that's, what I mean? That's like the show existential. Ends. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I'm in an existential mood. That's just how this show, this is where the show takes it, me. It's the headspace <laughs> that it puts us in. It makes me really think I'm like leap of fate. I, I just go, I go deep theory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Deep theory. Which actually, that's- which actually I think brings us into what I want to talk about today. I'm so excited. So we wanted to spend today talking about like Emily and the culture. Mm-hmm. because of the way we record the show, we're really talking about it in the vacuum of like really just talking about the show and not talking too much about the cultural response. But there's a lot there. People people have a lot to say. And I read there's a piece that I read in January about Emily in Paris that ruffled my feathers a bit. Yes. Yes. And it is a piece called The Subtle Treachery of Emily in Paris by the writer Haley Nauman, who writes a, a newsletter called Maybe Baby, which is like a very, it's a very successful Substack newsletter. Like, I think she's kind of making a killing, which <laughs> good for her. Yeah, good job, Haley. Let's just take a moment to say good job, Haley. Good That's job, awesome. Haley. Fucking rocks. <laughs> um, and this, Haley is a writer. I, I followed her on Instagram, probably still follow her on Instagram. I started reading her when she wrote for Man Repeller, and I really liked her style and her clothes and stuff. And then I was like, sure, I'll read your newsletter. Wait, do you mean like writing style or you like no, her no, like her clothes, actual her clothing fashion. style? Oh, okay. Yeah, because she was like covering fashion for Man Repeller and I really liked her clothes. And I was like, sure, I'll get some outfit inspo from her. And then she left Man Repeller mm-hmm. 
And then Man Repeller dissolved shortly thereafter because of unrelated issues. But now I think Haley's been really, really successful as like an influencer, internet personality with this newsletter. And mm-hmm. she, the, I'm going about to be, I'm about to be mean. Mean okay. me is about to come out. I started it with really good intentions where I was like, I think I like this person. Let's see what her deal is. Mm-hmm. As I've, as I kept up with her newsletter, I was like, oh, I think she's like really trying to be Gia Tolentino. And she's kind of like. The meanest thing you can say to someone. And she's trying to be a tele- yeah. Yeah, she's failing. I think she's like, wow. She strikes me as like Gia Tolentino light, where it's like ooh. aping oh, the style of like auto theory and like cultural commentary that's also about being extremely online and plugged mm-hmm. into consumer culture, but mm-hmm. also really trying to tear apart capitalism, but being so inside of it that it just becomes this. What feels to me like a sort of unreadable essay oftentimes because usually I read it and I'm just like, I feel exhausted where like all you did was incriminate Mm -hmm. everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's just as someone who also participates in in the culture. Mm -hmm. I like to have, you know, I like to have a critical lens, but I also like to enjoy things. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is a an element of her writing that gets into like purity mm-hmm. of like there, there's a pure way to live and these things are keeping us from it that I mm-hmm. think is a fallacy. Wow. And that's so the end of the episode. Yeah, that's <laughs> and I, and with that, <laughs> I have to go back to my day job, <laughs> uh, which is uh, yeah. in tech. <laughs> yeah. I was working in tech. So yeah. So that's, that's my take on her, which again, if she ever finds this episode or whatever, but if she does, I'm like, I don't, I don't hate her. I just like, I know I never feel good and I never feel like. You learned something. I think she's smart. I think she's a good writer. I, I never feel really like I learned something. I mostly mm-hmm. feel like brought down in a kind of like tisk tisk way. Yeah. Which I don't really like. And that's with, that's before we've even dived into this essay. So I'd love yeah, to that, hear. That you were coming into that. I'm coming in with co- my context about this person yeah and okay so a couple things let's just say so Haley finds this podcast we already applauded for her making a career out of her writing that's amazing yeah that's amazing and the other thing is i feel like what you're naming is like a disappointment because you're like oh you're not saying she's like so far off you're just saying she's falling short of the thing and so i think that i think people people grow and change and find their voice and all that stuff so we'll stay invested in Haley. we will we will. Okay, so I knew that you didn't like this article because you'd sent it to me a few months ago and I didn't read it. Classic. And you brought it up because we were talking about how we wanted to kick off our out-of-office extended season. And so I knew you didn't like it, which your opinion always influences me. Let's, I'm just going to go on record. Mm-hmm. You and basically like the, the five people. I have like five people and I'm like, I'm, I'm always sort of between swayed how am I yeah well kind of like I, I'm always like in relation you know what I mean I don't mm-hmm. think I'm swayed either which way but I'm like oh where do I land between like Nina my sister my mom that's kind of it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no 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 I've got others but um anyway so I read it thinking I was gonna really hate it and I really didn't I was like mm. yeah I sure and we'll, we're gonna go through it but let me just say that I feel like because I it was my first encounter with her writing, I was like not blown away. It wasn't something that I was like, oh, this is exactly how I felt, feel about Emily in Paris. It's not, but it didn't feel. I didn't feel exhausted by it. But maybe I would if I 
it was number 83 of her um, substacks. And so if I'd read the other 82, like my friend Neen, maybe I'd be like, okay, another piece where there's like very little compassion for what makes something appetizing to the public. Mm-hmm. So we want to get into the article? Yeah, let's do it. So as I said, this is called The Subtle Treachery of Emily in Paris, which can I pick a bone just with the title already? Yes. Which is like, there's nothing subtle about the treachery of Emily in Paris. Yes. Yes, I completely agree. And so I think pretty that's, funny. Yeah, I think that set me up from a place where I'm like, uh, <laughs> you guys don't know this, but the show isn't good for us. <laughs> like, I'm like, it's a show on Netflix about a mark about a skinny white girl from Chicago who goes to work for a marketing agency. It's by it's by Darren Star. Like, we're clued in. Yeah, we know. <laughs> we know. Like nothing. Like, I'm ready to be tre- treacherated. <laughs> and that is a word. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look it up, but it is. Don't look it up, but it is. Yeah. So, but I was like, sure, I'm, I'm interested in reading a take by all means. And basically what she gets into is the product placement sort of inherent to the show mm-hmm. and the way in which, like, the show exists as, like, a massive tie-in in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. And like this, how sinister it is that it's really just kind of selling us things. And the example she points to us to is that um, Patricia Field, who's the costumes for Emily in Paris, who most famously did the costumes for Sex and the City, made made a <laughs> sorry made a line of fingerless gloves. The luxury, ones. you know yeah, that luxury, if you watch the show, <laughs> yeah, if you watch the show, you know what we're talking about. Luxury leather fingerless gloves that she calls the Emily glove, and she sells these on her store, and you know. Lo and behold, Emily wears these Emily fingerless leather gloves with many of her outfits. Yeah, for our dedicated listeners, you know that I have complained about the gloves, not knowing that it was, but it was so obvious. In doing a recap podcast, it came up so often that like, I was like, oh yeah, those gloves that I hate it. Like I just, I'm, I'm, ugh. They're a real choice. Yeah. Yeah. And they're $300. Yes. They're $300. And in an interview, um, Patricia Field says like, someone asked Patricia Field, what's your favorite outfit that Emily wears in the series? And she kind of... She says, like, oh, gosh, it's this one where she's wearing this beautiful coat and she has these white fingerless leather gloves. And she doesn't say they're my leather gloves, but but what Haley Nauman points at is, like, come on. Like, it's kind of a big, yeah. like, you're selling us your gloves and this is all a massive attempt to sell us things, to which I say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to which I say, yes. And then it's another 400 words. Yeah. Yes. That's how. I, that's kind of how I feel about it. And, right, and right. she points at the fact that Ashley Park is often singing in the show and is pursuing a music career in the show and the actress Ashley Park in real life is also pursuing a singing career to which I say yeah 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 okay you say yeah but we did have a moment where we weren't sure what was happening (laughs) but I do love can I quote her yeah okay (laughs) she's talking about season two Haley is talking about season two and she's talking about how they're kind of it's messier it's not as formulaic she actually liked the formula whatever and she goes the effect was a scatterbrained season featuring an unforgivable amount of musical numbers and only marginally better politics it's which is funny she's even saying that the politics were better i would argue that they were like just as bad but um but the the unforgivable amount of musical numbers really made me laugh i mean i think there was there was some levity to her her article yes yes i think that I think something that's also giving me some pause, because I, I think I'm being, like, really irritated at, at Haley right now. Yeah, you seem case. like you're absolutely going off. Yeah, and I really am not... Like, the fact that we're talking about it means that it was good, you know? Like, that, that is, yeah, like... it did something. Made, made us... It did something, yeah. So it's, like, effective. 
I think that's something that irritated me a little bit is that the way that I know Haley Nauman is that Mm -hmm. is kind of in a role that I would say is not dissimilar to Emily Cooper's role, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. in the show where I'm like, I think that like she's sold me a lot of clothes. Yeah. Or like she, she sold me an aesthetic really effectively on social media. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it, that's, Right, it's like Just a weird there. Yeah. Right. It's a weird choice to frame it like this is the thing that this show is doing rather than extrapolating, which is like a very would be a very easy extrapolation. The essay's not that long. It's probably 500 words max. And and it could have so easily have been like and now this has me thinking, you know, like about like our own participation and like mm-hmm. how we you know just that by virtue of being online all the time we are constantly selling which is not a revelation but but mm-hmm. to frame it as if like this t- you won't believe it this TV show is actually doing this mm-hmm. when as you're saying you yourself is like yeah but my encounter with you is as an online influencer mm-hmm. who makes your life look really beautiful and i will also name that in essays 1 through 82 she does reckon with her positionality yeah yeah yeah. she does like she's not she's not oblivious she's smart she knows what she's doing like she knows what she's done she knows what she's doing etc but i yeah but i think i just felt like i was like yeah that's product placement like what tv show isn't doing that doing that so can i tell you what i thought was interesting about Mm -hmm. her please wait so she so let me let me read just a bit okay here's what she writes Forget accusations of the show being unrealistic. The reality it depicts is essentially the upside down, quote, the upside down, end quote, of our own. And ad for ads. Then she goes on, da 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 da. In this way, its purported escapism takes on a darker character. We use it to not, not to escape the onslaught of marketing in our lives, but to experience the onslaught without its consequences. Then she further goes on to say, essentially, Quote, the line between fact and fiction becomes obsolete. Nothing's so good it can't be flattened, reproduced, and sold. Everything's an ad for something else. Which I, so so my understanding of that, and and I want to know what you think, is what she's, she's basically saying, it's like, and she says earlier in the article as well, that for a show that's about social media, it's like a, a, an influencer and a social media expert. It's like, there isn't a lot. And she says like, you never watch Emily in Paris uh, doom scroll. You never see her feel like really bad about herself after posting something that doesn't do well. You actually don't. Mm-hmm. And, and she's like, and it's framed as if it's the easiest thing in the world to like snap one pick, write a good caption and be done with it. And I, it reminded me of something you said in season one, which was like, you felt like the show was a little disrespectful in that influencer episode to influencers because it made them seem mm. dumb and like it was no work. There was no work being done. And I feel like that's a little bit of what she's getting at in mm. this article that she's like, you don't get to experience the labor and the horrible feelings that come from social media that we all know. And she says that that in, that in turn flattens the experience and makes you unaware that that's happening to you. I would disagree that you don't know that's happening to you, but I do think it's an interesting point to say, like, or I think it would be more interesting if she asked the question, like, so why does that feel so good to people? Because I think I think what she's almost getting at but not getting into is that, like, yes, it actually does feel good to experience the internet without it making you feel bad. And if this television show is a little bit about that, is that you're experiencing social media and you're living vicariously through this influencer and you don't have to experience all the crap that you feel when you go on Twitter in the morning, all the crap that you feel when you go on Instagram at night and people are hanging out without you. What is that like liberating in viewers or what is that relaxing viewers that is like mm-hmm. a tension we're always holding? And even if it's sinister in its um in what comes out of it, like we buy more, we think it's possible to live like that. It's a fantasy we buy into. Even if it's all those things, it's more interesting to me to ask like, why do we need that so much right now? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You're so smart. You're so smart. Okay. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> so- <laughs> um, no, I think that's, yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I think that that's one of the ways I think we've talked about before, like Emily in Paris feels like a really, obviously they couldn't have known, but it feels so expertly timed for the pandemic. Right. Where like that, there's that one moment where he <laughs> references Brexit and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. Like the fact that they try to put any amount of reality in is like very upsetting to the paradigm that they've set up. Yeah. Yeah. Like where I was thinking about how they have that kind of Peloton episode where they have a client that's like not Peloton. Yeah. And I was thinking about like three or four other shows had like Peloton storylines this season, but they actually had Pelotons. Right. And I'm like, yeah, Emily and Paris needs to use like Pelotech. I think they yeah. called it. I'm like, Pelotech. that's what they need. And like, yeah, they work with some real brands like Ramoa and Louis Vuitton, like, or I don't remember. Yeah. Like they're, sometimes they are working with quote real, you know, real brands or whatever. Yeah. But always in a really fantastical way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just feels, it really feels like to, to Haley Naman's point of like the structure of the show being like marketing problem, mishap marketing solution Mm -hmm. it really feels like a children's tv show (laughs) yeah or like uh one of my friends who you also know ellen loves chicago fire the tv show chicago fire that's funny and And lives in chicago (laughs) she lives in chicago and she was like here's why i love the show they always put out the fire she was like she was like i love the show (laughs) because it's always a fire and they always put it out. <laughs> and uh, and it's like, yeah, like sometimes on like medical shows, it causes a certain anxiety. You don't know what the medical problem is going to be. On cop right. shows, there's like this kind of scary crime element with fires. It's like a fire happened. Who knows why? It's fire. <laughs> it's a natural element. But they're going to put the fire out. They're gonna and then the fire's out. <laughs> like, yeah, right. There's such a lack of even like need for ethics. Yeah. And I think that's something where like once ethics get introduced to Emily in Paris, it's kind of it like, fails. wait. <laughs> yeah, like even with the fact that like we've noticed that one of Emily's core problems is that she's like pretty, pretty dishonest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's like a <laughs> serial liar. Yeah. And yeah. it like never really comes up. It's like not named as her character trait by anyone, but it's like yeah. pretty obvious she like <laughs> being truthful and would always rather tell a little lie but that is like not something she's that's ever named because there's no ethics really yeah right no I think it's really I think it's I think the show as we sort of landed in the second season of our with the show and our podcast is like when treated as high fantasy it's so much more fun and it's also I think a little bit easier to and I, I can't I can't say what the morality of this is, but it puts a lot of distance between my ethics and the show. Like if it if it is fantasy, then it's not this world. Like it's a different world. You know, yeah. like it isn't. Like the and and yeah. there's so much wrong with that, obviously, of like presenting a television show as reality and it's like devoid of all of that. But I almost feel like because of how because it's high fantasy, how heightened it is, to your point about this title her title of the essay, it's like we're always being reminded. Like you don't need to remind us. The whole the the part of the reason the show uh, works at all, I think, is because it's unrelentingly reminding us that it's not our reality, and so we don't hold the characters to the same standards. We still want people to get together who like are gross. Everyone's kind of gross, you know. Like I think, I think that if it was any less absurd, it would be even more problematic. Like I think the harder they lean in, the more it's like 
that influencer, which is actually like a demon god. Like, I, like it's just kind of like it's se- yeah. it's so separate. It's so separate. Yeah, I think that's why when they started, when they even said the word Brexit, I was like, shut, <laughs> shut up, shut up. <laughs> that right, that felt the most sinister. Rather than yeah. feeling like, oh, thank God they're tussling with something. That was the moment it felt like that's the treachery. That's that's the treachery. That's, that's, that's the treachery. The treachery. It's yeah. acknowledging the world. Yeah, yes. that we actually live in. So to that point of what we were saying about high fantasy, that's the positive spin, I think, on what Haley writes in the article, quote, as critic Sophie Gilbert put it, there's a, quote, meta emptiness to it, where it's just levels and levels of anti-depth, and end quote. And I'm like, right. So yeah. we know that we're not on this plane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we are right. elsewhere. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Turns out I like fantasy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It would have felt better if, like, she'd gotten magical powers instead of them mentioning, mentioning Brexit. Like, it would have felt more natural <laughs> if she'd, like, moved a cup it would have with her eyes. For sure. For sure. Any, what do you think? Any any last thoughts about it, I guess? Anything that you're left with or anything that... Have I have I made you think about the article any differently? Yeah. I mean, I think that I think they've let, let me approach it with, like, a little bit more generosity. Just in that, like, yeah, like, she's, she's well-researched and making a good point. I think that... I think there's this element of like the the piece itself, and this is like a whole other thing, but I think the piece itself also enters into this cycle that we now have on the internet of like cultural thing, think piece, backlash. Reclaim, yeah. Think piece about the backlash, reclaim, yeah. Right. Where like um, it feels like it's very much participating in that in a way where, where sometimes I'm like, maybe we don't have to write a big thing about it. Yeah. Maybe we just need one perfect podcast <laughs> to do to do a deep dive, and then no one needs to uh, say no one needs from two white women in Chicago. With one yeah, maybe that's the answers. That's are. the take we need. Um, yeah. This is I'm gonna um, I'm gonna name drop, but it's it's okay. Please. But it's the one of the podcast hosts. I well, they're both brilliant. Um, these podcast hosts that I work for. One of them though, uh, Hannah McGregor has a had this like really interesting, uh, she's on Twitter and I'll link to her, but she had this really interesting thread about the sort of, I want to try to say it right, but it's, so right, there's let people like things, LPET, or like let people enjoy things, LPET, which is like a, is, it it has a lot of different iterations, but the the major iteration originally, I believe, I believe, was like people, uh, you know, against cancel culture, just being like, okay, whatever, let us like it. And then the response to that being like, we can actually be critical of things and like them. And that's, they're not mutually exclusive. And like the second we get that in our head, mm-hmm. cancel culture, we realize is not real or like, that's not what this, you know, this piece, mm-hmm. even this article from Haley Nauman is like not saying don't watch the show. It's it, right. It's, and it's not saying it's bad that you like it. Yeah. She's just like, we yeah. all bought it and that's a problem. The point is, mm-hmm. Hannah McGregor has this really great thread on Twitter um, about how like, it's actually really sort of like coming out of like feminist theory, it's actually really important to be critical of what you love and to love what you're critical of. Like it's, it's actually, uh, it breaks down a binary that comes from a pretty like misogynistic history of like moral purity. And like, she says it so much better. I don't even want to paraphrase, but basically saying that like, there's value to doing both at the same time. And it's also the way that most people socialize as women have to go throughout the world in like every way mm-hmm. where it's like, I don't mm-hmm. think Hannah McGregor says this, but I'll say it's like, I love my dad and I'm also critical of him. 
right? Like I, I, the, the men in my life, mm-hmm. I'm really critical of as a feminist and da, 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 da. And also I love them. And, and so mm-hmm. it's like women or people socialized to be women or non-cis people are like in a state of always loving and feeling criticism at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so this, this mm-hmm. it's a very like masculine notion that it has to be that cycle mm-hmm. of like, we love it. Actually, we hate it. Actually, we love it. Actually, we hate it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just forever mm-hmm. and ever and ever instead of like starting from a place of nuance, which most of the population is actually equipped to do, but not the mm-hmm. people in power. Mm-hmm. So articles like this coming from like a woman who's like thinking deeply about this, I can see how it's like disappointing when it lacks some of that like which I think Gia Tolentino does really well of being like, here's here's how, what I'm criticizing and here's what I what I love about it. And I think Lindy West is really great at that too. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, it also makes me think of Roxane Gay, like the ba- I feel like the bad feminist, not not the whole book, but that specific essay. R- Roxane Gay, you said bad feminist. Yes. Right. Yeah, I thought you said Braxton Gay, and I was like, Braxton. I was like, oh. Okay, Braxton. The greatest thinker of our Braxton time, Gay. Braxton Gay. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I feel like that essay really hit on, like, an, a, a version of that yeah. as well. Of, um, of like, we, we can't get perfect <laughs> inclusive culture, and so we take what we can get, and we find ways to love it, and we find, find ways to pick it apart at the same yeah. time. Yeah, and that's what this perfect podcast does. So thank you for joining us on the ride, this joy ride. Joyride. Thank you, Haley Nauman. Sorry, Haley Nauman. I do still read your essay, and I think you're smart. Cool. Thank you for introducing me to the essay, Nina. That was really fun. <laughs> that was really fun. Um, um, what else are you doing today? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I am edit. I have. I have about 15 hours of editing due next by tomorrow, and I have yeah. So I have 27 hours to do it, and so I'll probably be delayed on that. Um, but that. also, yeah. you and I are going to see a film tonight. <laughs> Yeah, we are. Pretty I'm fun. I'm so excited. And um, I'm really excited. How about you? What's up? I got to work. Oh, right. I actually, that is actually what I have to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the editing, but also I have like the other, all the other work. That's so yeah. funny. I got work. work yeah. Um, got to do work and then, and then I'm going to see a movie with you. Fantastic. And we will Can't wait. probably criticize and love it. <sighs> Ain't that the truth. Okay. Well, so fun. Thanks for, for listening all. Bye, Nina. Bye, Anna. You've been listening to Nina, Hannah, and Emily in Paris. If you enjoyed today's episode, let us know with an Apple review. We're trying this new format and we want to hear your take. Which is to say, even if you've already left us a review, you can leave us another one with your thoughts on this first out-of-office episode. We'll be back in two weeks to do a character study. What's a character study, you ask? Hannah had to look it up because she wanted to make sure she understood correctly. Right, because I've been socialized to avoid being wrong at all costs for fear of people doubting my intelligence. But I was right. And a character study is, quote, an analysis or portrayal in literature of the traits of a character or an individual. So that's what we'll be doing next episode. The twist is that I won't know who we're talking about until we start recording and Hannah will be leading the analysis. Until then, be sure to follow us on social media at Nina, Hannah, Emily, in Paris for more updates and behind the scenes footage. And most importantly, subscribe or follow the show so you're notified when new episodes are released. Ciao! A bientôt!